Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, welcome to part three of uh, a series that we're entitled Heroes. And what we're doing is we're looking into different heroes of our faith. Why would we do that? There's a couple reasons. Number one, so we can learn our Bible. Um, there's a lot of ins and outs of these people in the Bible that I think um, would help us just learn the Bible. But we're also taking a hero every Sunday, and what we're doing is we're looking at one life principle that I think that applies to our life today that can still be relevant to our lives today. And we're looking at how they applied this principle in their life. And what I think is, is, is pretty amazing is that these people that we're looking at, although they're heroes of the faith, they were ordinary people. <laughs> they had ordinary struggles just like you and I. And I think you're going to find that you're just going to relate to certain things. Our first week, we talked about Esther. And her life's principle is that God has a place for you. She was in a whole new land, exiled into a whole new land, felt like she was just, she had moved and it was out of place. But God had a place for her that would lead her to her purpose. And I got to tell you that today God has a place for you on his team. And uh, you may have just moved here from another uh, state. People come in all the time from different uh, states. We met some people last week from uh, Texas that moved. We moved from Texas. We were so excited. But there's a place for you. And then last week we looked at Joseph. And we looked at dreams, but the theme of his life was don't give up on your dreams. And it was amazing. And today we're going to look at one of my favorite heroes. And you may say, Pastor Phil, why would you pick this hero? because I think we can learn a lot from him. And today we're going to look at Jonah. A lot of people think that Jonah's last name is Whale. They really do. They think his middle name is and the, Jonah and the whale. That's not, that's not, that's not, that's not his name. But, and you know, he's known for his mess ups. But you know what I have found? That sometimes it's those that have messed up the worst who can teach us the most. And I think that today as we look at Jonah, he's known for his bad choices, his mess ups. And I think one of the things that we can all, if we're honest, could relate with Jonah is that we've all made bad choices at some point in our life. And I was going through the internet and I just thought, man, you know, maybe I just find some pictures of some people who made some bad choices and I, I filtered through some, but I just found one that I thought, oh my goodness, this is a bad choice. Have you ever seen somebody who's got a bad tattoo? Look at this. I think this person really regrets getting this tattoo. This says no regrets. <laughs> no, that's supposed to say, now I would want my money back, but I don't think you could get your blood and skin back, but that, how many of you agree, that is a bad choice. And you know, all of us may, <laughs> I should just leave it up there for a moment because somebody's really trying to read it and hoping that it would say no regrets, but it just doesn't. And even though we all make bad choices, if they're calling me, just tell them I'll call them back. And even though we all make bad choices, here's what Jonah would say to us today. And I think we all need to hear it. Even though we all make bad choices, remember, God is a God of second chances, second chances. Now I'm going to take just a moment and you have to really, uh, if you're new to our church, um, I have ADD, ADHD, Sprint. I have it all going on in here. at and I got everything. So I get real distracted. So it's very easy for me to be preaching and thinking. And, and, and so I just want to take a moment, kind of like an infomercial. I want to tell you something about this message. 
Today is, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not going to blow you away with revelation. But today is so simple of something that we all need to hear. But listen, we started Passion Life Church because we knew that there were unchurched people in our community who need Jesus. And we didn't want to just start a church that would be a Christian community coming together and we're bringing our brownies together and ooh, we're a little Christian community. That's not what we wanted to do. If we brought our brownies together, we wanted to make sure we brought extra for people who didn't know Christ so we could share our brownies with them and not just say, we have the best brownies. We're Passion Life Church. Yippee. That's not what we wanted to do. What we wanted to do was make sure that we had a church that's reaching lost people. And so today, I believe this, uh, this message is going to speak to us on two levels. One, it's for us. It's for you. But I'm telling you today that the world needs to hear this message, that God is a God of a second chance. There are people that are not in church today globally because they don't believe that God is a God of second chance, that he's not a God of grace and mercy. He's a God of anger. But you know what? Today, I hope this message so pierces our heart today that this week when you are at work, you will remember when those people that you are dealing with that you do not like, that God is a God of a second chance even for them. And so today, I, I want to open up. If you have, Jonah, you have your Bibles, let's go to Jonah chapter 1, verse 5. Jonah chapter 1. We're going to skim through the book of Jonah today, and we're going to look at this life principle. Let's look at his life. Jonah would say that God always gives us a second chance. Let's look at the story of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Would you just say word? Say it really loud. All right. Can you say it with a little swag? Word. Come on. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. So the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. Now I want you to understand this. Nineveh is a wicked city. But God still loves him. He loves him so much that he's going to pick a guy named Jonah, a prophet, to go talk to them to get them saved. And so God speaks to Jonah. And you know what Jonah says? He says, okay, God, that's good. And he actually goes in the opposite direction. Nineveh's over here. And then he runs to Tarshish. He starts going in the opposite direction. Now, if we would be honest today, how many of us would admit that when God puts something on our heart, at times he will put something on our heart and we're like, yes, Lord, and we go the opposite direction. Now, here's what I love about Jonah. He's one of my favorites because he's so real. I love real. I love authentic. Jonah does not like the, the Ninevites. He just doesn't like them. So it would be like you being at work and that person that gets underneath your skin, God's like, maybe just buy him a coffee today. You're like, yes, Lord, no way. And you know what's simple about Jonah? He just doesn't like them. He, okay, you ready? He doesn't care if they go to hell. He doesn't care. He does not like them. So God is going to do a work in Jonah's life. And so how many of you know, aren't you glad that God is such a God of mercy? 
And he continues to deal with Jonah. So Jonah, he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten up the ship. Do you know, my church family, that every decision you make costs you something? And can I just say that every wrong decision we make costs other people something? Do you know that this boat and the crew, <laughs> I think they were thinking, we're all, you know, we're just going to go on this, this, uh, this uh, our job, take this cargo over there. It's going to be good. But then Jonah comes on who is making a bad decision. His bad decision affects the whole crew. And so not only do our decisions have an impact, but you know what? They also affect other people. And the Bible says, but Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and he fell into a deep sleep. Isn't it interesting that people can be totally unconscious of the impact that they're having on other people's lives? These guys in the crew were totally shaken up because Jonah was running away from God and Jonah's down there asleep, doesn't even really care. And I think that one of the things that we'll have to realize is that every decision that we make carries impact. But you know what? Every decision that we make is also making us. Come on, somebody. So I'm making decisions, but at the end, those decisions are going to make me. And so Jonah doesn't even realize that. And here's the overall question of today. In your decision-making, is your decisions causing you and driving you closer to God, or are your decisions driving you away from God? Now, I believe today, because you came to church, you made a decision today to say, you know what, I want to be closer to God. I want to hear a message today. I want to be in worship. You made a decision today to be and drive yourself closer to God. But you know, you can make those decisions in your finances, in your relationships, and the whole boat is in crisis because Jonah is running from God. <laughs> and Jonah wakes up and he's unaware of what's happening. But you know what I love about Jonah? And this is gonna be tough, simple but tough. Jonah takes responsibility for his decision. Jonah tells the guys on the ship, hey guys, look, I'm sorry, it's my fault. It's my fault. The storm has come upon you because of me. And I think it's the first key that we need to look at and understand that helps us when we've made bad choices. This is what Jonah would say. He'd say, number one, take responsibility for your bad choice. Take responsibility for your bad choice. This is not something you hear in our culture today. Most people play the blame game. Nothing is their fault. Everything is everybody else's fault. And Jonah would say, hey, listen, a real hero would take responsibility for themselves. I call it the blame game. We play the game, blame game. For 20 years in youth ministry, when I would teach something like this, I would have to have an illustration. So I said, man, people play the blame game. So we did a whole Price is Right thing, but the, it wasn't called the Price is Right. It was called the blame game. And we'd have kids come out and they would tell us their problems. It was all scripted. They would say, yeah, you know what? I, <laughs> I snuck out of my house last night and then I got in trouble. And the host would say, well, whose fault is it? And who do you blame? I blame the music. I listened to ACDC. ACDC made me get out of my house and now I'm in trouble so I blame the music 
And, they, and it's, it's funny and it's comical, but in reality, it's true with people. And Jonah would say, real heroes take responsibility for their life and the bad decisions that they make. Listen to what Jonah says in Jonah chapter 1. Skip down to verse 12. Jonah says this, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. See, I think that's the first step when we've made bad choices to get to the right place we need to be. When we're in the wrong place that we shouldn't be, what we have to do is say, I need to take responsibility for me. You know, you can't take responsibility for everybody else. What you can do is take responsibility for you. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 13 says, and if you're taking notes, just jot this down. It says this, a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. Let me say it this way. A parent, a parent who never admits their mistakes will never be a successful parent. You know how hard it is to apologize to a six-year-old? When I make a mistake, when I said we're going to go someplace and we weren't able to go because of, of, of things, situations outside of my control, you know how hard it is to sit down and look at my six-year-old and say, son, Gavin, I'm sorry daddy couldn't take you today. You say, Pastor Phil, you should respect you. You're the parent. You didn't have to apologize. You know what? Kids who don't apologize have parents who don't have to apologize. And I have to set that example. And that's hard. And the Bible says that a man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. But he who confesses and forsakes them, he gets another chance. Praise God. We have a God of a second chance. And so Jonah was picked up and he's like just thrown overboard. You know what I love about this story is that God knew that Jonah would be thrown overboard. I don't know if you ever knew this about the story of Jonah, but God actually had salvation waiting for Jonah when in the point of his crisis, they throw him over. God had a big fish waiting right for Jonah. Jonah chapter one, verse 17 says, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is what I love about God. Even when you've made the wrong choice, the bad decisions, and you have in a point of crisis, God has salvation waiting for you at the point of your crisis, at the point of your honesty, at the point of your, hey, I'm going to take responsibility. You see God's manifestation of his mercy and his grace. They throw Jonah right over the sea, and here comes this giant fish to save Jonah. And the the whale swallows Jonah. I think this is the worst meal that this whale has ever tasted. You say, Pastor Phil, you really believe that a fish would would eat a, a, a man? Uh, yeah, absolutely. He would swallow him. You know what? Jesus actually even referenced Jonah in Matthew chapter twenty, uh, in Matthew chapter twelve, verse forty. It says this: For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus in the New Testament is now referencing Jonah. And so Jonah, I believe, the, the, this is what the God had to do. He had to. He had to stop the digestive system of this big fish. So the fish could not eat, and the fish could not pass anything. Does that make sense? So can you imagine you're swimming around in the ocean with a man inside you 
for three days. So God brought salvation to Jonah, but brought a curse on, <laughs> on the whale. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But so here's this whale, and he's swimming. He's got this guy inside of him, and you know, in the belly of the whale. And you know what I love about Jonah? Even in a rough place, Jonah decides to make the right decision. See, you can be in a rough place in your life, but if you'll make the right choice, you'll see God do amazing things. But what happens is we use the rough place in our life as an excuse to say, well, I'm just in a rough place. I know. And even in your rough place, you're going to have to make the right choice. And you know what Jonah does? In the belly of the whale, he cries out to God. He cries out to God. God! And here's what Jonah would say. Number two, listen, repent and turn away from the bad choice you made. Notice I didn't say just feel sorry. Jonah would say, repent and turn away. You know, in Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, it says this, what I have vowed, this is what Jonah would say, what I have vowed, I will make good. He's sitting in the belly of the whale. He cries out to God. And he says, God, I repent. And you know what? What I have done wrong, I will make good. God, I ran away from you. God, now I'm going to run to you. You know, Acts chapter 3, verse 19 talks about repentance. And it says, repent then and turn to God. Listen, listen to these words. Repent and turn. Repent is not, oh, I, I feel sorry. I, I feel remorseful. Repent is the Greek word in the New Testament for repent. Are you ready? Is metanoia. And that means to change your mind. Change your mind. And he says, repent and turn to God so that your sins will be wiped out and the times of refreshing may come from the, when the times of refreshing comes, when you're honest and say, God, you know what? I'm wrong and I need to repent. Now, this is what's funny, I think. The Greek word is metanoia. Would you say that with me? Just say metanoia. Cool. You're going to leave here and go, man, I went to that church and I was speaking in under tongues. Yeah, no, it's just Greek. It's just the Greek. The New Testament was written in the Greek and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, but metanoia is to repent. Now, here's what's interesting. I grew up in church where repentance didn't mean change your mind. Repentance meant come down to the altar, put out some snot bubbles, cry your heart out, then you repented. But how many of you know you can come down to the altar, you can have snot bubbles and cry for an hour and still not change your mind? I have watched people do that. It's not about how much you cry. Now, I've seen people truly repent, and oh, man, there is an emotional attachment to that repentance. But, you know, don't discount this. See, I could be talking right now about making wrong, cho making wrong choices, and you in your mind say, you know what? This is what I've done. I want to make the right choice. You know what you're doing? You are changing your mind. There's repentance happening in your mind. And I love this, this quote. Bruce Wilkinson says this, repentance means you change your mind so deeply it changes you. Whoo! Let me say that again. Repentance means that I not just change my mind, but I change my mind to the point where it changes me. This is what Jonah does in the belly of the whale. God, I'm not running from you anymore. I'm going to run to you. This is what fascinates me because at these moments, the whale could have spit Jonah out right in the middle of the sea. But you know, the Bible says that the whale didn't spit Jonah out in the middle of the sea. Do you know that the whale was swimming somewhere that even while Jonah was going through this process, God was working and the whale went to the beach and spit out Jonah. Can you imagine you're on ocean beach for vacation? 
hanging with your family, your little kids, and your little son goes, Dad, look at the whale. You're like, oh, there's a whale. And he opens up his mouth, right? And it looks like the creature from the Blue Lagoon. Right? I don't know what this looked like, but I have a vivid imagination. Opens up, and here comes this guy with seaweed all over him. And I would be like, son, don't look at that anymore. That's, that's, that's not good for you. And here comes Jonah, and he's vomited up on the dry land. You know, the whale could have spit him out in the sea somewhere. But you know what? He put him on dry land because Jonah said, I don't want to run from you anymore. I want to go in the right direction. And when repentance comes and we repent and we turn away from our bad decisions, I'm talking about turn away from our bad decisions. I tell you what, God can do amazing things. Access the times of refreshing will come, will come. And Jonah stood on the beach Listen to this scripture, Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. After Jonah's rebellion, the Bible says this, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. A second time. You know why? Because God is a God of a second chance. A second chance. The word of the Lord came to Jonah again. And even when Jonah had fear, doubt, insecurity, the Bible says that Jonah got up and he went towards Nineveh. And guess what? God gave him the same word a second time. And God will do that in your life. He will bring that word back to you and say, hey, look, I'm not upset at you. I still love you. And here's my grace. And number three, I think if we're going to look at our bad decisions, we're going to have to rely and embrace God's grace. I'm all about that grace, about that grace, about that grace. I'm all about that grace. Embrace God's grace. Jonah would tell you on a beach laying there, I was swallowed by a whale and it's because of God's grace now. Not only am I on the shore, but God spoke to me again. See, wherever you're at today, whatever decisions that you've made, I'm telling you that God will speak to you again. He hasn't left you. He wants to continue to work in your life. See, don't let the enemy define you by one mess up or one failure. Listen, when you turn back to God, he's waiting there to embrace you and he's ready for you. You know, I know people who have made a bad decision in their finances, and they will go through a foreclosure. It's tough, but you know what? Okay, so you went through a foreclosure, but are you gonna define your whole life by one foreclosure? No, you need to define your life by you are a child of God. And I've seen people walk through that decision and God do amazing things in their life, but you can't define yourself by one decision. Just because you fail doesn't mean that you're a failure. And I'm telling you today, but our world needs to hear that God is a God of a second chance. And here's what some of us, even in this room, do. Because we've made decisions, we therefore disqualify ourselves from being used from God. But the Bible tells me that when Jonah got on the, the shore, the word of God came back to him again. And God says, look, I'm not disqualifying you. I still want to use you. Don't let your bad choices define you. Don't let your mess ups be your decision or define or how you define yourself. You know what you need to define yourself by? God's grace. You know, Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, Therefore, there is now, everybody say now, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ 
Jesus. You know, the hardest thing to do for people is to forgive ourselves. The hardest thing to do for us is to forgive ourselves. And let me just encourage you today. If Jesus forgives you, you need to forgive you. Let me say that again. If Jesus forgives you, you need to forgive you. Today is a new day, my church family. The Bible says that his mercies are new every morning. Jonah could have said, you know what, Lord? My disobedience disqualified me. And you know what? God said, no, my calling on you is sure. My calling on you is what I've said over your life, and I don't take that back because we serve a God of a second chance. But can I just encourage us today? Don't keep running from God. And see, I'm not talking about, some of us in here are saved, right? And we know God, but there's things that God is putting on our heart to do, and we're going the other direction. And you know what I've seen in about 22 years of pastoring? Some people can go on so many detours running from God that they actually get lost, and they feel like their life is without purpose. But I'm just saying to you right here where you are today, no matter how much you've messed up, it doesn't disqualify you. God wants to use use you. If that was, if God would disqualify people like Jonah, then a lot of these people in the Bible wouldn't be in the Bible. He would have never used Peter. Peter denied Jesus three times. The Bible says even Peter cussed, you blankety blank. I know none of you do that. And if God would have disqualified Peter at those moments, but you know the Bible says that Peter repented. And on the day of Pentecost, God used him greatly. What about Paul? Paul was a murderer who God turned into a missionary who wrote, I believe, 13 books in the New Testament. It's pretty amazing. God uses people because he's the God of a second chance. And I think here's what he does. He takes imperfect people and uses them to do his perfect will. Let me say that again. God takes imperfect people to use his perfect will. You know what's amazing? God doesn't have to use me. He doesn't. God doesn't have to use you, but he does. I call that life's greatest privilege. God's not going to send an angel to minister to your coworker. You know who he's going to send? He's going to send you. He's going to send you. And here's what is so amazing. Jonah is rebellious against God. And guess what God is asking Jonah to do? God is asking Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach against their rebellion. So God's taking, listen, a rebellious man, and he's asking a rebellious man to go preach against rebellion. What? So Jonah, right, vomited out of the whale, has the word of the Lord, and he's going to go preach against rebellion when he's probably been the most rebellious person on the planet. God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. I've watched people. It's, have you ever watched a person who has been a drug addict? God totally heals them. And then they go back and they start ministering to drug addicts when they themselves were one. When I was at T Project Touch, um, they gave me this interview, or they gave me this, this tour. And we went to a house and there was a young lady who they called her the, the room mother. And she, they introduced me, and she was, a, and the lady began to tell me, this is so-and-so, she's the room mother. She's, she was on drugs. Guess what? She beat drugs through the power of God, and uh, all of these things. And now she's in a room monitoring the other drug addicts. 
I thought that is the power of God because we serve a God of the second chance. Come on, would you give him a great round of applause this morning? Because we all need it. We all need his mercy. I love this quote by Warren Warnsby. It says, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God can't keep you and the power of God can't use you. Let me say it again. The will of God will never lead you where the grace of God can't keep you and the power of God can't use you. I can just imagine Jonah. You rebellious people. Dude, you just got out of a whale. You yourself. And I'm going to be honest. The funny thing about me is that I was the worst of the worst. I was the I would be back there flipping off the preacher. And God's like, I'm going to use that guy. He's bold. He doesn't care what people think. And he's the class clown. Everybody's paying attention to him. I'll use him for my glory. I, they used to have to take me out of the class and go, okay, you just need to relax. Because I can't teach today. Right? I would just sit in the back of the classroom. It's all mellow and just go. And the teacher would go, I think there's a leak. Now me and my friends would laugh, right? And I think it's so comical that God would call me to call other people who are just like me for his honor and his glory. And I'm saying that not to puff myself. I'm saying that in the areas that you struggle the most, God can give you strength, but not just strength for you, but actually strength to minister to other people. Can you say a good amen? The Bible says Jonah got up and he went to Nineveh. And, you know, sometimes in this process and the bad decisions that we make, we have to, we have to make it right. We have to tell people, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I, I, I made it wrong. Don't ever, you know, shy away from being able to say, hey, look, I'm sorry. And can I just say, if you ever do give an apology, don't ruin it with an excuse. Just say it. You know, as I was preparing this message, I came across this story about a guy named Eric. And I'm going to show you a video. It's just a couple minutes here. Eric is about 24 years old, just decided one night to go out, part in with his friends, decided to, to drink. He drank way too much. But he got, decided to get into a car. And this would change his life forever. I want to just look at Eric's story this morning. Check out this video if you would. They said, you don't want to be responsible for this. And I said, responsible for what? And that's when he looked at me and he said, there's two girls that are dead in that car over there. I was a 24-year-old kid facing a minimum of 20 years, and I was scared. Here I was in a very dark world, and my mom drops the Bible off, and I'm thinking to myself, it's probably too late for me. And that's when another inmate comes over and he starts talking to me. He said, do you believe in, in God? And I said, well, you know, I believe in God, but I don't really think he wants to have a relationship with me right now. And he said, well, that's where you're wrong. The chaplain came by. We went down to a holding cell and I gave my life to Christ. On October 3rd, I was brought back to court for sentencing. Hearing each person come up and talk and address the judge and me, it was heart-wrenching. And then Renee, Megan's mom, had the ability to look over to me and say, I forgive you. Here was this mother who lost her daughter looking at the guy who took that from her and saying that I forgive you. 
I was so young in Christ at that point that there was still some doubt. Are you sure, God, that you can still accept me? Are you sure that I can be forgiven? And then she spoke it. I just, I fell apart. I'm really sorry to the families for what I've done. I've caused so much pain. There's nothing I can do. I've asked God to help me. And he has, but that's not going to bring me to Lisa back. I wish I could. I would give my life. I would honestly give my life. In August of 2006, we come into this courtroom. It was a very brief hearing. It was called a beggar's motion. No law is discussed. You simply beg for mercy. These families had come to a motion on my behalf. You would expect my family to do that, but then the families, Megan and Lisa's parents and brothers and sisters, and aunts and uncles, it was like, holy cow, they're supporting that. Even if the judge says no, the blessing's already been given. And the judge came back. He said, on recess, I read something, and it was in Micah 6.8. Oh man, what does the Lord require of thee? But to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. He said, I have never in my life seen anything like this. Mr. Smallridge, these families have come here to try to give you a second chance at life. So I'm gonna run these sentences concurrent. Without receiving forgiveness, you can't move forward. There is no hope. If we don't forgive self or receive forgiveness from the things we've done in our past, we have to still accept it from Christ and to know that as long as we turn away from those actions and as long as we walk the walk that is approved in God's eyes, that we are truly forgiven. Amazing. You know, um, Eric went to every family member and said, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. What an amazing story, because now Eric travels with Megan's mom, and they go to high school upon high school and talk about the consequences of drinking and driving together. My church family, God is a God of a second chance. Come on, can we give him a better round of applause than that? Would you do that? You say, Pastor Phil, that is drastic. It is drastic. But can I tell you, all of us in this room think that what we're going through is drastic. And I play that every time I watch it, tears come to my eyes. Because it's like, that's the mercy of God. But you know what? Eric repented. He said, I want to move forward. I didn't want to close today's message without giving us uh, just a safeguard, a way to, how do we make these right choices? Because Jonah would show up to Nineveh we, we, people don't know this about Jonah. Jonah preached one message. Ladies and gentlemen, one message. A rebellious guy stood up, one message. 120,000 people repented. Jonah was an amazing prophet, an amazing preacher. And in one message, 120,000 people turned a city upside down. And I tell you today that God is a God of second chance. He redeems the time in your life. And I, I, I just say again, if God has forgiven you, you need to forgive you. 
The Bible says in the New Testament that not only God, for, not only does he forgive, the Bible says he remembers your sin no more. No more. It's gone. But you know why God remembers our sin? Because we keep reminding him of it. But it's gone. Your past is over. It's done. You are a new creation in Christ. And so as we look at these decisions that we have to make in our life, can I just give you three things? How do we make good decisions? You know, if I can just say this, Jonah didn't have to go through all that stuff. If he would have just said, yes, God, yes. You know, God is amazing. He'll give you the second chance. But here's my question. Why you got to go through all that? Sometimes it's just because we're so hard head like God I'm just gonna do what I want to do dude you don't gotta get swallowed by a whale to do God's will just say yes the Bible says obedience is better than sacrifice sacrifice just say yes now I know we all learn it took me years but you know what now I know when he says something I gotta do it because it's the best for me it's the best for you so let me just give you three things I think it's important to build up some safeguards against making bad decisions number one when you make a decision you always need to use God's word to guide you God's word to guide you God's word is his will pastor Phil I need to know God's will read his word his word is his will his word will lead you to God's will it will all the time this is his will this is our instruction book for life God's will will guide you to what's best for you Psalms chapter 119 verse 105 says your word is a lamp unto my feet a light unto my path and can I just say don't randomly read the word of God like some people. They're like, okay, they're real spiritual. God, what do you have for me today? Like the guy who did that, right? And then he turned to Matthew 27, 7. He said, and Judas went and hanged himself. No, that's not the word. Let's, God, what are you saying? Luke 10, 27, and it said, go and do likewise. No, 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 that's not the, no, that's not the word. John 13, 27, and Jesus said, go do it quickly. See, you can't do that. If you randomly read the word of God, open up, read, meditate on God's word. It will guide you. It will guide you. Now, listen, there are some things in here that aren't specific. Pastor Phil, I graduated high school. I need to go to college. It's not like you can turn to John chapter 3. It's going to say, go to San Jacinto. It's not going to tell you that, right? It's not going to say that. Go to community college. No, I want to go to a real college. You ever ask somebody what college they go to? And if it's a community college, you always get like a lot longer answer why they're in community college. Just threw that in for free. But it's not going to give you specifics. So what, here's what you have to do. Number two, you have to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. Right? When I married my wife, I didn't look through it and it said, Mary Valerie, she is smoking hot. It didn't say that. Right? Her, my mother-in-law is here visiting from uh, El Paso, so I thought I'd throw that in the message. But her name's Blanca. Would you give her a great round of applause? She's visiting from El Paso. So glad that she's here. But ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom. And can I tell you, when God tells you a no, it's still a Yes. There were, there were girls in my life that I asked God, please let this one be the one. And God was like, no, why? Because it wasn't the best for me. And then when I, that was a yes, a yes for what? A yes to move on, yes to move on to something better. But then when I met my wife, man, oh, I just knew on the second date, I didn't want to be single anymore and I didn't want her to be single anymore. 
But you know what? You're going to have to rely on the Holy Spirit. Which job to take? We talked to a guy this week. He's got two great opportunities. And he's like, Phil, these jobs are amazing. Which one do I take? You got to hear the voice of God. That's why it's so important, listen, that you keep unforgiveness out of your heart. Your heart is that filter. And if all you can see in your heart is bitterness, you're not going to hear the voice of God. you got to keep this this clean. The Holy Spirit, when he talks to you, he's never going to tell you anything contrary to God's written word. It's always going to go along with this. And here's kind of some safeguards. When you make this decision, I always ask myself this, is this decision God-honoring? Is what I'm about to do, is it God honoring, talking bad about my boss? Is that God honoring in my relationships? Are my relationships honoring God? How many of you know you become who you hang out with? That's why the disciples wanted to do miracles because they hung out with Jesus, their best friend who did miracles. And so you, if you start lowering yourself, if everybody, all your friends don't come to church or don't go to church, don't be surprised. Listen, I want to hang out. This is my criteria. I want to hang out with people who are passionate for God, even people that are more passionate of God for God for me. Because when my passion gets low, I want to be around people who are going to inspire me and say, come on, Phil, get up. Come on, be passionate for God. Raise your hands when you don't feel like it. Come on, you got to sing when you don't want to sing. That's the kind of friends, not the ones that go, Oh, you're not feeling so good? Okay, that's fine. I'll call you later. You're not going to church? I'm not going either. Okay, bye. I want someone to say, come on, get up in Jesus' name. I want passionate people. How are your relationships God-honoring? Your business decisions, are they God-honoring? What I do with my family, is it God-honoring? In this series uh, called Heroes, my church family, our families need heroes. You need to be a hero for your family. Dad, you need to be a hero for your family. Your decisions matter. Moms, your decisions matter. Our decisions matter they affect our family and maybe today you walk out and just decide you're going to be the hero for your family I make decisions how is this going to affect my spiritual health is this going to draw me closer to God or away from God how is this decision I'm going to make affect the people that are closest to me how they going to how's it going to affect that let the Holy Spirit guide you number three today as we close Here's something I don't think a lot of people do. I would tell you to safeguard some of your decisions. Seek godly counsel. Seek godly counsel. You know, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says, He who walks with the wise becomes wise, but he who has a companion of fools suffers harm. You know, I have made a decision to hang out with mature, seasoned people. Now, you're going to have to decide this. Listen. When it comes to your relationships at work and life, you're going to have to decide this. This is a great quote. You're going to have to decide who you're on mission for, right, and who you're on mission with. There are people that I am going after. They're acquaintances. But my closest friends are mature people, seasoned people. And I want to have friends. Listen, if you're always the smartest in your group of friends, you need a new group of friends. Because you need to hang out with people who are smarter than you that are pooling you to be smarter. Can I hear a good amen? Yeah, it's good. And you know, in some, some circles, I'm the smartest guy in the room, and I realize I'm there to help. I'm there to impart. But I also need to be in a different circle where people who are smarter than me that are pooling on me, giving me advice, and making me better. Listen, if you're having struggles in your family, call us. 
I can get you in touch with people who can help you. Come on, can you say a good amen? And if I can't help you, I will get you into, in contact with somebody who's a lot more wise than I. There are people in this church in their 70s, 60s, seasoned people, seasoned believers that will help us, that I go to sometimes. I'm like, you need to help me. And I'm just telling you, there's help if you'll humble yourself and you seek godly counsel. Walk with mature, wise people. Would you stand together today and let's just give God a great round of applause for his word. Would you do that? Come on, his word is good. God is a God of a second chance. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information on Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com 